the first the first thing that comes to mind is and, and this is the the philosophy that I kind of rejected as a development coach was this idea that you either have it or you don't you know and I think we look at our players and you know the ones that are struggling in confidence or you know seem to always like shrivel up in the clutch moments or you know, ones that just can't handle tough times and we say, ah, oh, he don't got it. And we cast them aside and we go find someone else that can. And, um, and I think that's like, that's counterproductive because I believe it's something you can develop as much as you can develop your skills, you know, shooting mechanics on your swing, whatever it is, um, as much as you can develop your physical abilities, you can develop your mental skills as well. And, um, and I think coaches just cast it aside or disregard it mainly because we're not equipped to, to teach this, you know, as, as players, you know, kind of this generation of coaches weren't coached like that. And so they haven't been trained in how to coach like that. Welcome to the Coaches Club Podcast, powered by Transform Sport, where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training. I'm your host, Luke Gromer, and every week we're bringing you conversations with coaches and leaders in sport that will help you grow as an effective teacher and transformational leader so that you and your team can reach your potential. Coaches, I'm excited to welcome Brett Burchard to the podcast. Brett is the co-founder of the mindset development company Champion Shift and the co-author of Catching Confetti, Developing the Mindset of a Champion. His mindset training toolkit helps athletes and coaches compete and lead with confidence, resilience, and humility. Prior to Champion Shift, Brett served on the coaching staff of the Phoenix Suns for 10 seasons. In our conversation today, we talk about how Brett's passion for mental performance arose, hesitations coaches have with teaching and training mental skills, how to actually develop mental skills, and how to identify our core fear as a coach and why that matters. If you enjoyed this episode and want a copy of the podcast notes, go to coachesclubpod.com and drop your email in the form to get the notes from this episode or any episode. And as a bonus, when you fill out that form, I'll email you a link to my entire library of coaching notes with over 200 pages of coaching notes. If you're already on my email list, just check your email inbox for the weekly email and a link to download the notes from this episode. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you probably remember me talking about the cohorts. These are different from the book clubs I was going to be running. Well, I'm currently running a cohort right now, and I'm getting ready to run another cohort beginning November 3rd. The cohort is six weeks long and includes weekly meetings covering different coaching topics, access to the replays and resources, a private cohort group me, one 60-minute one-on-one call slash film review session with me, and more. The next cohort begins on Wednesday, November 3rd, and will run for six straight Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Central Time each week. Here's what Joe, a soccer coach from Portland, had to say about his experience and the experience of three other coaches from the same club that are a part of the current cohort. The cohort has been and continues to be incredibly valuable, not only to me personally, but to my colleagues and staff from the club I represent. From sharing ideas to exchanging best practice, I have found the range of topics not only diverse and relevant, but extremely challenging. Luke has been an absolute joy to learn from. There's only 12 spots available for the next cohort, so grab yours before they fill up. 
If you're interested in learning more about the cohort or signing up for the next round, go to transformsport.org slash cohorts, or just click the link in the show details. And if you have any questions, feel free to email me. My email is in the show details as well. Now to my conversation with Brett. Enjoy the episode. All right, coaches, really excited to welcome Brett Bercher to the podcast today. Uh, Brett, I would just love if you started off and told us a little bit a little bit about your background and how and why that led you to start champion shift. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, excited to, to share and, and talk. I love the work that you're doing with supporting coaches. So it should be a fun conversation. Um, I, I grew up in a, in a coaching household. My dad was a college coach, uh, from the day I was born. Um, you know, I was taking naps in the ball cages <laughs> as an infant and, and, watching practice, doing my homework, uh, after school. So grew up in the coaching world. Um, and, and kind of was, my plan was to follow in my dad's footsteps and, and coach small college basketball somewhere in the Midwest. And, um, and life took a d- different turn for me, um, bringing me out to Phoenix, Arizona, where I worked, uh, with the Phoenix suns for, for 10 years. And, uh, and my now like kind of pivoting into to championship and the work we're doing there, uh, with mindset training, it was all built, I guess, developed out of a curiosity I had while I was coaching with the sons. Um, and, and I was in a development role. So working with our younger athletes and, uh, some of the, you know, some of the guys at the end of the bench or into the rotation. And, uh, and, you know, at the time, uh, I was, it was when Steph Curry was just taken off, you know, winning the championships and MVPs and, and, and capturing the world's attention. And to me, he was doing just incredible things on the court and seemingly to me, like dropping into flow states, almost on demand every night. And it's like, how's this guy doing it? And, uh, and so I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I help my players do that? And it was really became a focus on the mental side of the game. Um, and, and for me, it was, it was kind of twofold. One was the brain, and like learning pedagogy is skill acquisition. Like how do we, how do we apply the skills we're learning in real time in the game uh, and make that translate? But then it was also the mind with, you know, how do we make all that hard work pay off in the biggest moments? And how do you develop the resilience to keep going when things work against you? Um, how do you stay focused and all the distractions and how do you find motivation and and so that just led me in this exploration of like, how is the mind impacting our performance? And it, and it seemed like an area for us organizationally that we weren't really tapping into yet. And in the, the broader context of basketball, you know, that, that people weren't really tapping into yet. So um, I started exploring that and that led me to, to champion shift and, and all the work we're doing with that program, which has been a lot of fun. That's awesome. I love the background to it. I, two follow-up questions. Yeah. First, tell me, tell the listeners if they're not familiar with it, what's a flow state? You mentioned you just know like Steph Curry is getting into flow state every night consistently. Yeah. Try to define that for us and maybe why it's why is it so important for performance? Yeah. So most people will call it like being in the zone or something, you know. Uh and it's not just in, you know, in high competition or in sports, you know you'll have it in your daily life where you just kind of like drop into this trance where 
you're so focused and you know, you lose track of time and maybe there's a creative flow or just an appreciation of the moment. Um, you know, all that ego and, and chatter and the stresses kind of fade away. Uh, for, for us, the way we describe it is with the term relaxed intensity. And it's an intensity of focus, not a like not a stressed out furrowed eyebrow, crinkled forehead focus, but just like heightened awareness, fully present, fully engaged, removal of distractions. Uh, and then a relaxed presence. You know, I'm not forcing anything. Um, I'm just cooperating with what's unfolding. I don't have anything to prove or, or hide from. I'm, I'm just there. I surrender uh, all my skills to instincts. Um, and I think it is a, it's like, it's the peak performance state anyone can find. Most people will just like find it haphazardly. Like it just happens. And what we try to do is increase your chances of it happening. So how do you, you can't force flow, you can't create it, but you can receive it. And so how do you position yourself to receive flow state when it presents itself or, or, or more often and more consistently. And I think that's what Steph Curry had mastered. And, um, and so I was trying to figure out how to help other people do that too. Um, that may, may not come about it, um, naturally. Yeah, that's really good. And, and we'll get into in a little bit, maybe more of the how behind how yeah. to, to do that. But my other follow-up question to what you shared about your journey is you said when you started going on this journey, and you're working with the Phoenix Suns in this development role, it wasn't something that was really integrated into the organization and the development of players. So from the time you started going on this journey to when you recently left the the Suns, your role with the Suns this last year, what was, was there a shift organizationally um, as far as incorporating some of those things into the development of players? And what was that process like? Yeah, I think uh, the basketball world in general is is moving in that direction. Um, you know, I think sports like tennis, golf um, have been doing that, have been focusing on the mental side of the game for a long time. Uh, baseball of the of the major sports, baseball is probably the the farthest ahead of the curve in that. And I think ba- basketball is coming along. Um, you know, at this point, for from a basketball perspective it's mainly focused on like mental health, mental wellness. Um, just the players, you know, the, the Kevin loves of the world who've kind of come out and, and been public about fighting anxiety and depression and loneliness and, and that kind of thing, um, which has been super helpful. It's, it's made it more mainstream. It's allowed other people to, to know that it's okay to like focus on these things and wellness. Um, you know, I love what Aaron Rodgers said, though, recently was that he was focused on mental health, not because he was battling depression, chronic anxiety or anything, but just because it was a way to make him a better person and, and more healthy person. Um, you know, so I think that basketball is coming along in that. Um, and then I think there's another side of it where it's 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 tapping into your mental skills to elevate your performance. Um And that's, it's still a fringe area, but more and more players are are taking that into account because they're looking for, for more advantages and more edges. You know, I think we're we're figuring out that working harder, you know, you're going to reach a certain point where everyone's working hard. And so what's, what's the next step? Like what's the next level where um, all that hard work can, can pay bigger dividends. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of segues well into 
this next top next topic, you know, I think most coaches recognize what we're talking about, that mindset is a legitimate factor in performance. I think often it's easy for coaches to complain or label players about having maybe weak mindsets or not being mentally tough. But often as coaches, we're not addressing mindset in our coaching. And so I'd love if you would talk about some of the hesitations that coaches often have with addressing mindset issues, and maybe we can get into how we can do a better job of it. Yeah. The first, the first thing that comes to mind is, and this is the, the philosophy that I kind of rejected as a development coach was this idea that you either have it or you don't, you know, and I think we look at our players and, you know, the ones that are struggling in confidence or, you know, seem to always like shrivel up in the clutch moments or, you know, ones that just can't handle tough times. And we say, ah, he don't got it. And we cast them aside and we go find someone else that can. And, um, and I think that's like, that's counterproductive because I believe it's something you can develop as much as you can develop your skills, you know, shooting mechanics on your swing, whatever it is. Um, as much as you can develop your physical abilities, you can develop your mental skills as well. And, um, and I think coaches just cast it aside or disregard it mainly because we're not equipped to, to teach this, you know, as, as players, you know, kind of this generation of coaches weren't coached like that. And so they haven't been trained in how to coach like that. You know, most of the, you know, People, you know, like you and I were coached by the Tom Izzo's and the Bobby Knights and the Frank Martins and, you know, those, that kind of approach, you know, much less the Phil Jackson Zen master approach, you know, and, uh, and so we haven't learned how to, how to coach people that way. And so we just say, you know, it's either got it or you don't, and I'm going to go find the one that do, because I don't know how to develop it. And so. I think that's the, that's the primary hesitation. I think most coaches have, I think there's, you know, there's other issues with you know, just the, the vulnerability it takes to talk about mental and emotional health and, and your weaknesses and strengths. And, you know, but I think, I think more and more coaches are realizing the value and the importance in that. And so, um, yeah, the tide's definitely shifting. It's now about equipping coaches to, to train that, that part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love if you just said a little bit more about what you just hit on there at the end, that a piece of it is the courage and the vulnerability it takes from the coach to model it and make it a priority. Tell me more about that and maybe how we can do a better job of that. Yeah, it's, it's probably birthed out of this false belief you know, that of what toughness is, you know, and it's just this, this rugged, like, um, you know, I guess the, the old school way of, of defining and, and exemplifying toughness where you're impenetrable and, and you have no weaknesses and you show no weaknesses and, um, and nothing's going to stop you or stand in your way. And, um, and so I think like true toughness, true resilience and what our players need now is to be able to say, like, have the vulnerability to be honest about where you're at and, and what you're doing and what you're struggling with and, and where you can grow, um, you know, but 
from my point of view, it's not just like, it's not just sympathy. It's not just like, you know, being vulnerable saying I suck at this, but it's the difference between sympathy and empathy. It's I'm going to meet you where you're at. Let's be honest about where you are. You know, that's okay. And it's okay to be where you're at. It's not okay to stay where you're at. And so now let's find ways to move forward. Let's find ways to grow and develop in that area. Um, and, and that's where, you know, coaches can, can kind of lead the way in expressing vulnerability of like, you know, Hey, I'm struggling in this too, or, or I'm not so good here. Here's how I'm going to improve. And, um, but, but having those vulnerable conversations is, you know, it's, it's risky. You're going to put yourself out there and, and there's a chance you could get hurt or get burned, you know, but it's also a chance that you can develop such a tight relationship of trust. And that's, that's what's needed for a high performing team. So um, you got to be willing to take that risk. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you just started to hit on it there. We just talked about the hesitations that coaches often have. And I think you just mentioned one of the benefits of incorporating mental skills is, is building that trust in a connected team. Talk mm -hmm. to me more about some of the other benefits of incorporating, incorporating mental skills into our program and our coaching. Yeah. Well, I think, I think uh, pretty much every coach could agree, you know, there's three things we want our athletes to do or have or, or be. Uh, the first is to be confident, you know, play with aggression and assertiveness, no hesitation, no fear, play with courage, you know, be at their best in the biggest moments. We want them to be confident. The second is we want them to be resilient. We want, want them to be tough, um, to, to keep going in the face of adversity, to not quit after a couple losses or mistakes or failures, you know, we, so we want them to be resilient. And the last thing is we want them you know, to a degree, be humble. Like we want them to be selfless, to receive coaching, to, to be a good teammate, um, to be willing to help each other out. And, uh, you know, even if you're on a playing an individual sport, there's like team dynamics involved where, where you want healthy relationships, um, involved, you know, and all of those qualities to me start in the mind. They start with your mindset, um, about how you see yourself about, um, you know, how you reframe or assess a situation or, or a mistake or a moment, you know, how you relate to your teammates. Like, do you see them as competition or do you see them as, you know, help to, to improve and go as far as you can. And so, you know, if we're not focusing on the mental side of the game, and like I said, like coaches maybe don't feel equipped to, or, or know quite how to, so then our response is, you know, when they, when they you know, fail in the last two minutes of a close game, it's like, well, they don't got it. You know, we got to go get somebody else or, you know, or if they, you know, start pouting after a mistake, we're just, we get mad at them and scream at them and, you know, and raise our intensity level. That's not helping them, you know, really navigate that situation and become more resilient. And so, um, so, so we don't have like, I guess, most of us don't have effective ways to, to develop those things that we need and want the most from our team. And so you know, that's what we try to do in our, in our programs and championship and, and with our, you know, catching confetti toolkit is to help you have those kind of conversations and develop those kind of attributes and skills within your team. You know, so you can get, get the most out of the players you got. 
Yeah, that's really good. And some great examples there. And so I'd love if we could just talk about the how now, you know, what are some practical things that coaches could take away from this? And like you said, I think one of the biggest challenges as coaches, we really aren't equipped in this area. Usually most coaches, we don't know what we don't know. The coach is expected to be a master teacher leader and like an amateur psychologist at the exact same time. Like there's just so many dynamics and we're so often ill-equipped to handle it, but I'd love if you could just share, Hey, here's a few things that you can do in your coaching that can get you moving in the direction of helping your athletes build these things. Yeah. So many, so many demands on coaches. Like, I think we all get into this because we get excited about the, the chess match and maybe the teaching and like the skill development. And then you get into it and you realize that's such a small, small percentage of it. Um, and so many other things matter more. Um, and so, yeah, you, what you said is right. we got to be, not only are we coaches now, but we're like mentors and counselors and psychologists and sociologists. And, uh, it just, it's a lot of things we just feel ill-equipped to, to, to do. Um, I think the starting point that I encourage coaches is to be a practitioner first. And so like, look at yourself for, we, we all want to help our athletes so bad. Um, but we can't give what we don't have. And so check your own mindset, you know, how do you handle resilience or how are you in tense moments? Do you have a, a relaxed presence? Um, how do you reframe mistakes? Is it, is it growth opportunities or are you all focused on results and the, the championship and uh, the wins and losses? You know, um, how are you with vulnerability in, in building relationships of high trust? You know, it starts with you. You're going to set the limit or the, the ceiling to your team's mindset. Um, and then secondly, uh, you know, as you do that, then it's creating space for your, your athletes to explore these ideas too. Um, so we're not shutting it down, you know, like just toughen up and be stronger. Like, let's ask questions. Let's understand, you know, what are you struggling with? Why is this? Why is, why did you respond this way? What's happening? Like asking more questions to, to seek better understanding, um, you know, and, and then, you know, shameless plug. Like, I think this is the, the beauty of what we created in our catching confetti toolkit is, is like all the tools necessary to help you actually develop these mindsets in your players. And so um, like, all you have to do as a coach is be willing to go first, you'll be a practitioner and then creating space to have conversations around this, these ideas. Um, and, and that would create an environment where you can get started on developing the mental side of the game. Yeah, that's really good. When you say creating space, are you primarily talking about, you know, as a whole team, we're having these discussions? Is it one-on-one conversations? What, what does that maybe mean practically for a coach? Yeah, it's both. Um, you know, I think su- super valuable to have these conversations uh, as a team. Just one example from, from when I was coaching in the G League, and we were kind of going through this, this program, which is now our Catching Confetti program with our team. And it started creating this like common language amongst our group on, you know, uh, how to express our vulnerabilities or or our mistakes, our failures. And then um, we had a moment where kind of the leader, the the emotional leader of our team, the personality, the the flamboyant one, 
he like got in the dog house, like in a rut and everyone knew it because he just shut down and, and he was struggling and not playing well and everyone knew it. Well, finally in one team meeting, he said, coach, I got something to say. He stood up in front of the team and was able to articulate like what had happened. Why, why did he shut down? Why did he change? What was bothering him? And he said it, he said, look, I saw other guys getting called up. I felt like I wasn't being seen for who I am and what I bring. And then it shut me down. And that's what, and then he apologized to the team. And then conversely, the team was able to like meet him where he was at and had all the skills and the, and the language to use to, to welcome him back into the team and forgive him. And it, it flipped. Like he went on, I think he had like five straight double doubles after that and like was playing with the same joy and energy and passion that he had. But like, because we had created that space for us to have those conversations, um, you know, as a team, it just, it was so powerful to see them come back together. Um, and you know, when I'm talking about, I say creating space because you don't force people to have these conversations or share in these moments, you know, you, they gotta be willing to, you know, they gotta, um, they gotta offer it up. And so, you know, I didn't force that player to like, you know, Hey, you got something to say to the team, you know, go say it. You know, sometimes we need a kick in the butt, but for a lot of this, it's just like create space. So when they're ready, they know they can do it and it's, and it's going to be a safe spot to do it. Um, and that's, that's, that's mainly what it is for, I think for most athletes, when they say like, oh, my coach doesn't care about me or you know, no one's listening to me, or I don't have anyone to talk to about this. You know, I think all of us would say, yeah, if you got a problem, like come talk to me, doors open. Like we all say that. But is there an intentional creation of space where they know, all right, I need to share this now or I need to ask for help in this now? Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm referring to. And, and it happens individually, too. You know, some people just aren't ready to share for the whole group. And so you got to meet them one on one where they're at. Um, so, yeah, individually and team based. That's really good. And I love that story. I appreciate you sharing it. And as you were sharing it, I was just thinking, man. Talk about the resiliency that is being developed in that person individually, but then as a whole team, then understanding how to handle a situation like that, where someone on your team is in a place like that and how to respond to them. I, I just think that that's, yeah, such a good story, such a great example of when you integrate this into your coaching and you mentioned a couple of times when you develop language around it too. Because that's what especially I think male athletes lack is they just lack a language to mm. talk about these things. Like most of us weren't given one growing up. We definitely weren't taught one. And emotions can typically be really difficult for men, especially to navigate. Yeah. But just how powerful it is that they have this language that shared these skills that you've been taught and then the opportunity for them to apply them. And, and that's where the resiliency gets developed is him learning how to respond to this really hard thing that he had to go through. And, and two, you mentioned it, the trust and connection. Like I just, I got chills as you were sharing that story because I've been in rooms where similar things have happened and the connection that's forged in those moments, it's just special when yeah. someone's vulnerable like that. And like you said, not only did he move on from there into a much better place, but I'm, I'm sure that his, yeah, just the way that his teammates embraced him in that, I think is just a really special thing for people to experience. And I don't yeah. think it happens unless you're intentional about mindset 
and, exactly. and integrating that into your program. Yeah. The, you know, it's, it's a two-sided coin there too. Like, you know, where he was able to, you know, confess or apologize or, or you know, or call himself out. And then the team having like really specific ways to welcome him back into the group and, and like come around. Like a lot of us are just like, yeah, cool. It's all good. No problem. You know, but to like actually like give him a powerful experience to say, you belong here. We believe in you. We trust you, you know, and then beyond that, it sets up, it just like naturally sets up some accountability there, you know, where if it happens again, you know, the players know he knows it and they can call him out by using his own language. Like, yo, are you, you bothered by this again? Did something happen? And, you know, and it creates a, uh, you know, an accountability that they, everyone can lean on um, where he called himself out first. It's not us, you know, blasting him, you know, he admitted it, said, this is a weakness. This is where I need to improve. All right. Now as a group, we'll help you stick to that. Um, so yeah, the, the value and the benefits of it are just are, are great. It's the, it's the, the superpower that binds teams together, you know, and, and creates those special moments. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. This goes back a little bit. You mentioned it at the start of when we talked about incorporating mindset training, mental skills into your coaching, you talked about how it starts first with the coach. And I just don't think the importance of that can be understated as well, that our athletes aren't going to develop a mindset beyond the mindset that we've developed. And as you were sharing that, I was thinking to connect back even to earlier, what we said that's a great place for us to model and be a little bit vulnerable and say, Hey, this is the mindset that I'm struggling with and this is how I'm working on it. And then, to, and right. And there all of a sudden now we're kind of creating some space to have conversations about it when as the coach, who can say, Hey, I'm working on developing my mindset in this area. And this is why, because your players probably know that you need to develop the mindset in that area. Um, but I think it's just such a great opportunity yeah. for coaches to be able to, to model that and share where they're going on their journey too. And so I'd love, would you maybe just share from your experience, what, what are some areas, mindsets that coaches typically need to grow in and how can they start to grow in those areas? Mm, that's a great question. I love, I love like the idea a story comes to mind. It just, it makes me smile. Um, but like, of a coach being able to like express vulnerably and, and to see yourself as like, as a member of the team and not just like I'm coach, your players and we're separate, but you know, I have a role on this team. Like the players do. Um, I was coaching in the G league and, uh, and we had um, the G league makes you go through like these respect for the game meetings, you know, where they're talking about your behavior on the sidelines and, you know, and how you treat the officials and that kind of thing. And, and we were at the showcase in, in Vegas and we had a, that morning we had a meeting about respect for the game. And then that night we played in a game and I got like caught up in the moment and I got super frustrated, irritated, and I got a tech. And one of my players comes over and said, coach, 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 man, we just went to the meeting this morning and <laughs> like calm down, <laughs> you know, but to, like for us to have that, like that relationship where like, we each know each other's like our roles on the team. Like, 
you know, I'm not bigger than the players. He was able to come in and, and like give me what I needed in that moment, just like what I would do for him. Um, so yeah, I think, I think every coach is, is different. Um, the, the big one for me and the thing we focus a lot in, in our work is recognizing like your core fear or core insecurity, right? So, so what we say is, is we all have this narrative, like playing in the background of our minds, right? This like driving our reactions and our decision-making and, you know, in our instinctive or impulsive responses, to different situations, especially when we're in stress or under pressure. And, uh, and so being able to have like clear understanding of what that core insecurity is and then recognize it and be able to counteract it, you know, before it happens or before it, it takes over, uh, is like super value. It's actually like the first, the first thing we tackle, you know, in our, in our work, in our programming, um, and if, if you can figure that out in yourself as a coach, you're going to start recognizing it in your players too. And now when that player like flips out and, and you know, is talking back to you, it's you're not taken as an attack on who you are as a person or as a coach, but you're seeing it as his insecurity or her insecurity and say, okay, I can calm down. I don't have to react, you know, out of an insecure way. I can just, meet them where they're at, calm their fear and give them action to move forward. But, but if you don't have that awareness of your own insecurity, then it's just like insecurity firing off insecurity. And, you know, we got world war three going on. Um, so I think that's, that's the biggest, most valuable. It's not easy to do. It, it takes some work, but if a coach can figure that out, it'll, it'll transform your leadership tenfold. Absolutely. Would you be willing to share what that journey was like for you? What was that core insecurity that you experienced as a coach that you had to? Yeah. yeah it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, you know, so this, the program we, we go through with, with catching confetti was adopted out of a, another program that I had gone through. Um, and yeah, figuring out what, what that core, and there were like nine core fears that, that everyone struggles with, like usually one of them more than another. Um, and, and when I was going through the program, what I realized is there was this, this fear of being replaceable or like not being unique enough or having a, a unique voice. And so what I found out is anytime I shut down, you know, it was because I thought someone was coming to replace me or that they didn't see me. Like, like, so I would just shut up during meetings. I wouldn't talk because they don't value my input or they don't want my input. Well, the reason I wasn't talking is because I felt this fear like that I'm replaceable, you know, and I don't have a unique voice. When I learned that wasn't true and that was just a lie that was running in that narrative in my head, then I spoke up and I contributed and I knew I was, I was a part of the program. I didn't have to be all of the, uh, the solution, but I could, I had a, I had a unique vision. I had a unique perspective that I could offer and, and help the team, you know, um, it, it worked with our, like developing relationships on our staff. Like if I felt like somebody was encroaching on my unique offering to the team, I would like push them away or discredit them or, you know, it created this like relational friction between us, but it was all driven out of that core fear, that narrative running in my, in my brain. And once I figured that out and was able to recognize it and calm, calm it down and then you know, give myself an experience to know that's not true. That lie is not true. 
it's like, okay, let's go work together and we can be teammates and we're not in competition with each other. And it just, it just lets you breathe, you know, it lets you, let you show up and, um, and all the things we were talking about, confidence, resilience, humility, like it just, it just unblocks all of that for you. But you know, most of us aren't aware of that and, and we're, we're running into it every day and it's creating this self-sabotaging circumstances that we get frustrated by. We don't know how to fix it, but it's just becoming aware of that narrative that's, that's running um, kind of below the surface. Yeah. The stories that we tell ourselves are so, so impactful. And like you said, oftentimes we don't even realize we're telling ourselves the story. We're just not aware of it. We haven't taken the time or given ourselves the space to really consider it. Sometimes we've never had anyone else call us out on it or identify it for us, which sometimes is needed. But I appreciate you sharing that because I'm guessing that you are not the only coach that's ever felt that, especially at a high level when, you know, it is so competitive at that, you know, professional level, but, you know, even coaches at a lower level, like that fear is totally real being replaceable and, or just not being good enough, right. Not being seen that, you know, people don't value the contribution that you bring as a coach. I mean, all of those things, when we let those narratives run in our mind, it impacts the way that we relate to others. Like you said, all of a sudden there's friction on your staff because well, you're really worried about this person or, you know, whatever it might be. So yeah, I just think that that that's a really powerful, powerful thing that you shared and, and something that we really need to deeply consider as coaches is, yeah, what, what is my core insecurity that can drive some really negative behaviors and impact others in negative ways too? Yeah. Yeah. I think if, you know, if you're a coach and you have that moment, you're lying in bed at night, you know, frustrated because it happened again, or you're on your third team and the same crap is coming up. Um, you know, you failed again, whatever, like that, that feeling, that restless feeling at night where you're like, crap, like, why does this keep happening to me? It's because that narrative is driving your life and it's going to keep happening until you get awareness of it and, and learn how to counteract it. And the same thing is true. Same thing is happening, you know, with your athletes. Um, and so if you can figure that out in yourself, you'll be able to help your athletes figure it out for themselves. Um, and yeah, it just, it unblocks everything else and, and you're gonna have a bigger impact. You're going to win more and you're going to, you're gonna have a lot of fun doing it. That's really good. Shifting a little bit, but I think it's connected to some of what we were just talking about. You shared this quote with me, who you are becoming is more important than what you achieve. This is a really hard truth for coaches to embrace and remember in a profession that whether we like it or not is largely based on our performance. Will you talk about that quote, expound on it and talk about why it's so important for coaches to know and embrace that truth. Yeah. As you and I were talking about this, you know, the show and what we might talk about and and it just like, it hit me. Like if I could sum up everything I believe in and, and everything championship teaches and, and what we, it, it would be this one sentence, who you're becoming is more important than what you achieve. And, you know, for our programming, we, we've, we've broken kind of 
the world-class mindset down into seven essential mindsets. And it shows up in every single one of them. It's like the resilience to keep going, like that the results don't define you. Um, you know, the relaxation that no one moment carries the weight to crush you because who you're becoming is more important than what you achieve. Um, the victor of like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep learning from every situation. Like losing doesn't define me. It's, it's not a, I'm not a failure. I'm learning and becoming something because I've been through it. Um, the visionary mindset, you know, we're not setting goals based on what we want to achieve, but based on who we want to become the type of person we want to be, uh, the focus mindset, like, like what are the distractions there? It's all about, you know, proving and, and trying to achieve something to get some kind of worth. And it's just shifting that focus to, to who you're becoming and, and the type of person you are, uh, the process mindset it's, it is, it's focusing on the process over the results and just, just every day, um, taking steps forward in the process. And then the empathetic mindset where, um, our teammates aren't our competition, you know, they're here to help us and, and we're not playing these zero sum status games where someone's got to lose so I can win. It's it's we can all win because we're all becoming something because of the process. So, yeah, if I if I could sum up like the whole worldview right there, it's it's that like life is is more about experiencing and learning than than accomplishing and conquering. It's it's who you're becoming is more important than what you achieve. That's really powerful. I love how you tied that into all seven of those mindsets. And yeah. it's just so important, not only for us to embrace as coaches to make sure that our identity doesn't get wrapped up in who we are, like our coaching accomplishments, but then also to hopefully be able to instill that truth in our athletes that, that we help them yeah. keep their identity separate from their performance as a player because there's just all sorts of issues that we've already talked about that happen when who we are is just totally wrapped up in what we do and what we achieve. So I appreciate it, you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, and the, the crazy part about it, like is if you become like the person you become will translate into achievements, right? Like if, if you focus on that, like becoming the type of person that um that you want to be or that you know that you really aspire to be you're going to achieve everything you wanted and more um you focus just on the achievements and who you becoming could be a a crappy like worse less version of of your best self and so we'll start with the root of it who am i as a person you know where's my identity and then that'll overflow into to all the accomplishments and achievements and, and impact you're going to have. That's really good. Here's my last question for you. And then I've got a yeah. few rapid fire questions. Awesome. If you could decide these are the top three things, every coach, every level, every sport, they need to be educated on these things. What would they be? Mm. Okay. I would say um, the first would be some kind of like, learning pedagogy, like skill acquisition, the process of teaching or the learning process. Um, you know, I do believe coaches were teachers. And so how do you become a more effective teacher and, and how do your athletes learn more quickly or effectively? 
the second thing would be something in the realm of psychology, you know, like it, we're, we're voluntarily exposing ourselves to high stress and high pressure moments. Like we need to understand the impact the, that's having on the brain and our minds and, and our mental health. And, and so, so uh, some level of understanding in psychology. And then probably the third thing would be um, something in the realm of sociology, you know, group dynamics and, and team dynamics are just so impactful with, um, you know, with, with your performance and, and what you're able to, to accomplish. So um, understanding group dynamics and how to manage those or, or navigate those, I think is, is super invaluable. So I think those would be the, the three, there's so much that could be helpful, but I'll leave it at those. I like it. That's a good, that's a really good list. Here's my rapid fire questions for you. All right. Hit me. The most fun part of coaching is. Um, seeing, seeing them get it like something you've been teaching and working on and then, and then it clicks and they apply it and it happens. It's like, that's, yeah, that's fun. I love that part. The problem, really the, the problem with that part is, is it doesn't always happen under your watch, right? <laughs> a lot of times that that happens after they left your program, but it is still cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. Here's the next one. I know I'm successful as a coach when. Yeah, I'd say those two are related. Like when that happens, when it clicks and, and they're able to do it. And then maybe the next, next level is like, they start coaching themselves and then they start teaching that to others. It's like, okay, now we've created that, you know, that ripple effect of, of teaching and passing on uh, understanding. Um, so that's, yeah, that's probably the ultimate success there. That's really good. Here's my last one. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have known blank before my first coaching experience. Um, everything we've talked about in the last 45 minutes. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I feel like everything I'm sharing is, is stuff maybe I heard before and didn't really internalize and adopt. And now like I've been through it and learned it hard, the hard way and looking back and reflecting and be like, dang, I didn't apply that. I didn't apply that. I didn't apply that. And so like, if I could apply like what I know now, if I could apply that when I first started, then maybe I could have some new new mistakes to learn from, but, uh, yeah, that's where I'd like to start where I am right now. That's really good. That's a great answer. Uh, well, Brett, this has been awesome before we hop off, just tell the listeners where they can connect with you and see the work that you're doing. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. This was a really fun conversation. Um, everything that, that I'm doing is at championshift.com. That's champion S H I F T.com. Um, you can, we got a couple, you know, programs um, there that can get you started, kind of on the the mental skills training um, side of coaching. Obviously, got our our featured program, the Catching Confetti Toolkit, um, to help you develop the mindsets in yourself or develop them with your team. Um, also, send out a, a regular, you know, newsletter just to to stay connected and try to keep helping um, coaches win big and, and make an impact and have a lot of fun doing it. So championshifts.com is where you can find all that. Coaches, thanks for listening to this episode and thanks again to Brett for coming on to the podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode and you want the podcast notes, go to coachesclubpod.com to get the notes from this episode or any episode. I love the phrase that Brett used at the beginning of the conversation, relaxed intensity. It's so important for us as coaches to be able to be in that state and to help our players get there too. I was also really challenged by these two things that Brett said. You can't give what you don't have, and it starts with you. You're going to set the limit or the ceiling for your team's mindset. What powerful reminders. Learning and talking about developing our athletes' mindsets and mental toughness is great. But if we're not developing our own, then we're not going to be able to help them develop theirs. And lastly, I think it's critically important for each of us to identify our core insecurity or fear as a coach. And the reality of it is that whatever that core insecurity or fear is, it likely goes way deeper than just our coaching. It's probably a story or narrative we've believed about ourselves for much of our lives. And it impacts us outside of coaching as well. For me personally, that fear is typically around a narrative of not being good enough or not having what it takes. What is it for you? Because unfortunately, when we aren't aware of those fears and insecurities, they end up driving behaviors that are typically pretty negative and damaging to our relationships. Just like Brett shared, his fear of being replaceable led him to put up barriers with colleagues and perceive those relationships as competition. We all have deep-seated fears and insecurities. It's normal. But it's critical that as coaches, leaders with tremendous influence, we understand ourselves well enough to avoid letting those narratives and fears dictate how we treat and relate to others. So that's my challenge to you. Identify that core fear or insecurity that you have and identify some of the negative behaviors that it may be driving. Then start to write a new story, one that isn't controlled by that fear or insecurity. Like I mentioned in the intro, I'm running another cohort beginning November 3rd. The cohort is six weeks long, and we'll meet Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. There's only 12 spots in the cohort. You can learn more or sign up for the next cohort at transformsport.org cohorts, or just click the link in the show details. Thanks for listening to the Coaches Club podcast powered by Transform Sport, where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training. 